0: and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer, and are really trying to understand what He has for you, and where He's trying to guide you, and where He's trying to lead you, because it's so important that we understand what the will of God is in our lives, and that we're walking in those steps, and that we're in His will. You know, I was talking to to a pastor friend of mine yesterday, and we were kind of talking about how when Paul was, you know, he was shipwrecked, and he was gathering firewood, and a snake came and bit him, and all he had to do was shake it off and the fire and that's the kind of thing that happens when, when you're in God's will basically when things come against you other things come it's like a BB gun in a freight train because the will of God overtakes, and the will of God is what is what determines everything. Amen? So I hope that you're understanding that. I hope that you're spending time in prayer and truly spending time with the Spirit and understanding what God's doing in your own life. So here we're going to continue our look at Christ as we continue our look at the, the Trinity here. And last week we talked about the pre-incarnate Christ and how from the very beginning of time, Jesus Christ has fulfilled the offices of King, Priest, and Prophet. And we're going to look today at the incarnate Christ, and when Christ was on this earth, and again, how he fulfilled that office from King priest and prophet because it's important for us to understand that all of this was determined from the very foundation of the earth. This was even before the earth was created. It was established that Christ was going to be king, priest, and prophet. And as it says in Colossians, that God chose to give him preeminence and to really make him the sum of all things. Amen. But before we get there, just a couple of housekeeping items. Again, um, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you need a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me an email at path to redemption, Ohio at gmail.com. and I'll be more than happy to get one into your hands. And again, don't take my word for it. Make sure you study to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure that you are really finding out what God has for you in all of this. But if you do need help, just drop me an email at path to redemption, Ohio at gmail.com. I am here to help. I'm here to walk you through it. If you want me to, Um, you know, all you have to do is reach out and ask. All right. So before we kind of dive into the the incarnate Christ, I want to just really quickly kind of talk about why Christ has looked at as King, why he's looked at as Prophet, and why he's looked at it as Priest. If you go back to the very beginning and into Adam, and then ultimately to Seth, and then all the way down into. To Enoch, Methuselah, Noah, you know there were there were three offices that were held by those patriarchs, and that was the one of king because Adam was the king of the earth; he was the only one here, um, and then. And then ultimately, if prophet, all of them prophesied, um, all of them had predicted different things. I mean, even Adam, according to Josephus, uh, prophesied that there would be two destructions of the earth, one by water and one by fire. And then they all acted as priests to God, right? They all ministered to priests. They all interceded for their families, or they interceded for the people of the earth, right? And they all walked in the presence of the Lord. And it really wasn't until Jacob, and all of this really kind of, kind of, Settled in one man and even all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it was Jacob that ultimately this was split out, right? Because Jacob was a prophet, Jacob was the was a pro, was like was king, Jacob was high priest. But ultimately when his death, what he did is he actually split this out. Because if you go back to the book of Genesis and in, in chapter 49, and starting just at verse 10, or actually we'll start at verse 8, he's talking to Judah here, and he says, Judah, you are he whom the brothers shall praise, your hand shall be on the neck of your your enemies, your father's children, shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. So here you see that the scepter's not going to pass from Judah, and this is what The prophecy that Jacob gave on his deathbed in terms of Judah. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come out of the tribe of Judah, because the kingship um, actually is established there. And you kind of see that here in Matthew um, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, right? And understanding that the son of David means that he has that kingship. So, and Matthew basically takes in the first chapter Abraham all the way down through to Jesus Christ, right? And obviously that goes through Judah. Okay. Because in verse two of that, it says Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez. Right. And then it goes all the way down from the line of Judah from there. Now the, the, Profit prophet piece was actually given to Joseph here in this, and going down to Genesis 49 and verse 22, it says, Joseph is the fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well, his branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him, but his bough remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven. Right. Above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors upon up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. So we see here that he is going to be the shepherd. He is going to be the stone or the rock of Israel, if you will. And that's the goal of the prophet, right? The prophet is there to guide, is there to give direction, correction, similar to what a shepherd would do as well and to also be the stone of israel we know that christ acts as that chief cornerstone right to some a uh, chief cornerstone and to others a, a stumbling block so we have to understand that that, that Portion of the prophet and and Joseph being the dreamer and being able to to have these dreams and be able to interpret them and to really tell of what was coming on was going to go through that birthright and through him, Amen. And then finally, we know that the priesthood goes through Levite as it was given to him at, at Mount Sinai according to to the law of Moses. So the Levitical priesthood goes through Aaron, who is of the tribe of Levi, in order for for that to come and them to be intercessors between God and the children of Israel, Amen. So those three aspects right there ultimately ruled Israel from the time of of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even before then, all the way down up until... Jesus Christ came. So we have to see here that Christ is going to fulfill all three of these, okay? And he is going to be established as king, priest, and prophet, even incarnate, even while he is walking on this earth. And again, these were his from the very, very beginning, as we talked about last time. But continuing on in Matthew here, in Matthew chapter 2, and starting at verse 1 through 10, we're going to look at Christ as king. And, And Matthew is a great, gospel, and and all four gospels are are phenomenal, but they all show Jesus Christ a little differently. But Matthew shows Christ as king, right? And if you look throughout the whole the whole gospel of Matthew, you can see different aspects of the kingship of Jesus Christ and and different hints here about who he was going to be and how he was established as a son of David. But here in Matthew chapter two, we see obviously the the story of the uh, of the wise men, right? And why are they coming? They're coming to worship the king of the Jews. So in Matthew chapter two, one through ten it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born? born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least of the When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. So here we see that he has been born king of the Jews. This is the story where, the, where everyone's coming to worship him, the wise men are. So we see here Christ as king, even from the birth, right? But in again, as I kind of said, as you go through Matthew, though, you'll see different pieces where it refers to Christ as king. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27, it says, G- when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed us, him crying and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they, de- when they had departed, they spread the news about him all over the country. But going back to verse 27, it says, They're crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now that connotation means that he is a king. To be a son of David meant to be a king over Israel, right, to be a king of the Jews, all right, and we see that again here in Matthew chapter 15, uh, 22 through 28, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely Demon possessed. Now, I want to time out here for a second because it's a woman of Canaan, which means it is a Gentile woman, right? So before we saw the Jewish men saying, son of David, but here you have a Gentile woman proclaiming him to be king right? Think about that. You have both Jewish and Gentile. All of us are going to portray Christ as king in the millennial reign as he is right now. And then but going on he said but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him saying Lord help me. But he answered and said it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said yes Lord yet he Even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the Master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, great is your faith, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very same hour. So even though Jesus Christ came for the Jewish people initially right and because of their rejection of him he also rejected them and then expounded all of this back to the Gentiles right and we all had access through Christ through to his salvation right because of the work that he did but yet here you see that even while he was on this earth and even though he hadn't been rejected yet and he had come to Israel he was still being seen as a king by a Gentile woman amen so here we see Christ walked as king he walked in the authority of king Um, as he was walking on this earth according to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, let's kind of switch gears here and let's look at, at Christ as the priest. Now, going to John chapter 17, which is my absolute personal favorite chapter in the entire Bible, but John chapter 17, we're going to look at Jesus Christ as he prays in intercession. Again, that's a key point here for... The priest, right? Because the priest would ultimately be the mediator of the old covenant. It was their responsibility to sacrifice the goats, sacrifice the oxen, sacrifice the sheep, all of those types of things to be able to to wash away the sins of Israel uh, whenever they needed to, or according to their holy feasts or whatever it may be. They constantly provided intercession before the before God for the children of Israel. But here you have Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane praying for that very thing. And starting at, so in John chapter 17, starting at verse 6, the Bible says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. Or they that believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. "'Those whom you gave me I have kept, "'and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, "'that the scripture might be fulfilled. "'But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, "'that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. "'I have given them your your word.'" And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So here you see Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's the night he's going to be arrested. He's about to die the next day. And. What's he doing? He's praying for his disciples and for all of us that are going to come to the knowledge of faith and to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that's the purpose of a priest is to intercede and to ask God to do the things that he he needs to do. Now, we'll talk about this next week when we talk about the resurrected Christ and particularly about, about these three offices and what he does now. But don't forget that we have an advocate to the Father who's constantly making intercession for us. That is his role as high priest. Amen. Now, how can we even begin to talk about this and talk about his work if we don't talk about the work on the cross? Amen. Because we know about the work on the cross, right? We know that Jesus Christ willingly gave up his life so that he may be the mediator of the New Testament, as it says in the book of Hebrews. So if you remember, the high priest was the one that one day a year could, on the day of Yom Kippur, could go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and offer a sacrifice to God for the nation of Israel on the day of atonement. But we have that Day of Atonement on Calvary when Jesus Christ was crucified. So now, that, now it's no longer the high priest offering that sacrifice as the mediation in the Old Covenant, but rather we have Jesus Christ who has now offered himself up once and for all to be the mediator of the New Covenant for us. Amen. As our priest, he offered himself. Amen. Because again, it was the high priest that had to offer the sacrifice of a goat, but it was Jesus Christ as our high priest who offered himself up as that sacrifice. Amen. So we understand here and we see that Christ, while he was on this earth, was still operating as priest, making intercession for us by the time that he was when ultimately making the ultimate sacrifice for us by willingly going to the cross. Amen. So let's look at the last aspect here. And we're going to see Jesus Christ as as the prophet. Now in Mark chapter 13, verses one through two, this is what the Bible says. It says, then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So we know that this happened in AD 70 when Titus came in and destroyed the, the, or Herod's temple um, and the Jewish temple there. And not one stone was left. It, according to Jewish tradition, that they set fire to the temple. It reached into the inward parts of the temple. And then the gold actually got into the individual stones and in between the stones. And in order for them to extract all of that gold, they had to take every stone off of it. So again, here you see a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus Christ prophesied here and made known. You also see the same prophecy in Matthew chapter twenty-four and verses one through two in terms of what he's saying. Now, there were other prophecies that Christ made that actually happened while Christ was still alive, and particularly they come from Matthew chapter twenty-six and starting at at verse seventeen, where it really kind of talks about how how he's starting to tell who's going to actually betray him and what's about to happen. So. In verse 17, the Bible says, Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. So here we see him again predicting that that Judas was going to go ahead and, and betray him. In the book of John, it kind of talks about how he was he knew he was going to be crucified. He was preparing his disciples for that crucifixion, even though they didn't really want to see it. Remember when, when Peter even said that you are the Christ, and he said, you know, and Christ said that on this rock, I will go ahead and build my church. But then it was just later in that chapter that Peter said, when Jesus was talking about him being crucified and going to death, that Peter said, no, Lord, we won't let it happen. And then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're not of the of the Father, because ultimately it was the will of God that that Jesus Christ be offered up, and He was trying to prepare them for what was going to happen, and that was Him showing Himself as the Prophet. He also later shows, particularly with Peter, predicts Peter's denial. Going later into Matthew chapter 26, and starting at verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Well, we know how that worked out a little bit later when Peter ended up denying Christ three times. And ultimately, he ended up having to be restored on the coast of Galilee, where Jesus asked if he was going to feed his sheep. So ultimately, you see here that Jesus Christ is was, even while he was on this earth, king Priest and Prophet, Amen. And again, the the purpose of this is because is because this is the establishment of the office that Christ was going to have from the very foundations of the earth. We looked at it in the pre-incarnate Christ. We now see it in the incarnate Christ. And next week we're going to talk about it in the resurrected Christ. Right? Because it, if we don't understand this, then we really can't understand the purpose and the plan of God from the very beginning of time. And and if you've if you've read my book that's up on the website, Path to Redemption. Ministries.org. It's called Grace Abounds. In the very first chapter of that book, I break down the creation story and how it's a picture of the redemption of Jesus Christ. Because even from the very beginning, as I've said numerous times, from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of the Bible, we know that the foundation, the purpose here all points to Christ, right? It all points to Christ, to the Messiah, not only for his first coming, but also for his second coming and the establishment of his millennial kingdom, and then ultimately when we are all ruling and reigning in the New Jerusalem and all of those things. Because it's important, right? We have to understand that the sum of all things, the sum of every that we know and everything that we see and everything that we believe is Jesus Christ. Remember, what does it say in John? In the beginning is was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? So seeing all of that, and we know that the Bible is the written Word, the Bible is a picture of Jesus Christ, so why wouldn't it tell the story of Christ from the very foundation to the very end? Amen? So we see him again as king, priest, and prophet, ministering to us, ministering to the people of that time, ultimately for him to make up the greatest sacrifice of all, which was his own life, that he may be the mediator of the new covenant and the mediator of our salvation. Amen? How amazing is that, that God had this planned out from the very beginning, amen? He sees the end from the beginning, yet we can't even believe or trust him for the needs that we have in our lives, but yet he's planning for things that are thousands of years in advance, right? And he knows what's going to happen for the next million years, right? I mean, we're talking about a God that works outside of time, right? A God that was there from the beginning, right? And he's so phenomenal. But yet if we just trust him with all of our things, then this should be easy, Right, Because we see that he, that Christ Is our is our king, our priest, and our prophet And all we have to do is trust him And he's got our best interest in mind But we'll talk about that a little bit more next week When we talk about the resurrected Christ For this week's Song of the Week, we are going to go To bad, way back I shouldn't say way back, I mean it's way back For me, but we're going to go way back To uh, youth group here And we're actually going to go with uh, Sonic Flood from their 2000 Album, uh, Sonic Praise And it's going to be Lord I lift your name on high. It's a, just a fun song, but it, it makes so much sense. You know, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. It's just amazing. It talks about how Christ ultimately came down from heaven to be resurrected, to offer Himself up to be resurrected for us in our stead. Um, and it's just, it's just a great little praise tune here and it goes back. I think, I think every youth function I ever went to this song was saying. So, um, it's an old song for sure, but, uh, let's do the Sonic flood version from the 2000 album, uh, Sonic praise. And it has been added to the, uh, path to redemption song of the week playlist as well. So look, I, I hope you're enjoying the series as we kind of talk about it again. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the resurrected Christ and what he is and how he fulfills currently that King, uh, priest and prophet uh, segment as well of, of his office. Um, and then we're going to shift gears after that. And we're still going to talk about Christ, but we're going to talk about some different aspects of Christ um, after that as well. So, but look, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption, Ohio at gmail.com. I'm here to help you. I'm more than happy to help. And then on top of that, just see if you can share the podcast with one or two extra people this week um, that maybe want to learn and want to grow. But until next week, again, just remember the, this simple truth the father loves you jesus loves you and the holy spirit loves you god bless